Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello and welcome to episode 94. Tonight's show is brought to you by Weekend Off. Kenny and I are going to see who had the best weekend, boats versus motorcycles. I believe his was boats, or yeah, boats and motorcycles. Yeah, but I we both rode motorcycles, but he, he went on boats and I didn't. <laughs> I, I workshopped this for seven seconds. Jesus Christ. No, it's good. We'll see. Why do you keep saying workshop? Well, let's circle back and synergize on that. You've been having a lot of meetings, Matt? You know... He's had problems with his TPS reports. There's been a lot of meetings, but there's been, you know, business needs. So Gotcha. Well, you know, let's uh let's hit these action items. And uh <laughs> if you want to take care of all that low hanging fruit first, that'd be you know, that's the first logical step. And then, I'll make sure that uh before taking care of the low hanging fruit, I'll take care of anything that may breach SLA to keep our ACPs and our CSATs in line. And after that, I'll handle any PDP issues. And then we will work on all the low-hanging fruit and dive into our more pressing issues. Sounds great. Let's circle back on that. Yeah, I'll put a meeting and we can spend five uh, workshopping how to take care of the next marketing plan. uh, And we'll put that on for November the 17th. Freaking sick. Can Can we keep going? With this, I'm sure we could just babble about um stuff oh i think another listener and i talked through work today but it was email and i'm not sure he's figured out it's me yet (laughs) better watch out someone's gonna figure out where you work so they're gonna know what coal mine you're in that's fine uh who's going first andrea because you're we gotta gotta read the patrons first i don't have to do anything first we can do this however we want but with that said uh patrons starting at ten dollars a month we have zach Trump's hairpiece, Tom P, Todd, Tim Kruger, Ty, Tennessee Zach, Scott, SCG Shuko, Sam, Ryan, Ramo853, Parker, Noah, Nick, my pal Dal. I don't know why I'm using my radio voice. Uh, MTB Shenanigans, Michael, Leland, Kevin, Kenny Sucks, Ken, Josh, Josh, Jeff, JC, Jara, Dix, Jake, Half Face Kenneth, Green Giant, Gordon, G-Man, Frank, Ezra, Trilla, G, Evan, Dustin, Clayton, I remembered to change my name, Von Eckerin, Brad, Billy Singlespeed, Bill, Bo, Baggins, and that's three people, by the way. In case you never got that, we have Bill, Bo, and Baggins in line. Alec, AJ, Aaron. We have Leadout Sports, Josh, and Dean from down in Kangaroo Land. We got Joe, or starting with 20, we got Joe, Brady, Brad, Anthony, Affordable Trail Solutions, Harley at 30, 30, Troy's Petty Self at 31, and six pack outdoors at fifty. So we used to have three Aussies, correct? We we Dean got back. It was some kind of a he messaged me. It was something some patron. There was patron. an error with his TPS reports. Yeah, mm, the old exchange rate, something like that. There was an issue with authentication, and the <clears throat> pre authorization couldn't be captured. And all right, so Andrea, all right, yeah, I'll, what what have you I'll been go doing? First. I have been doing a lot of manual labor kind of my what I've been doing the last three or so years is well I worked in the dairy for a while after the bike shop but I also have been picking up kind of summertime work what literally picking up picking up yeah summertime work for people in the uh, immediate Howard area and this year it is working in the garden 
for a couple that lives in the neighborhood that has a, they have a huge garden. It's beautiful. And it's just a little, uh, there's a little too much bed turning over and weed pulling and things like that. That's a little too physical for them. Um, even though they're both, you know, nice, healthy people, it's just more than they want to do. So I work with them a day or two a week. I have another neighbor who has a large piece of property and some horses, and I've been doing some work for him. Uh, and we have a friend who has a landscaping company, and I've now um, started with him uh, helping him out some in Salida. And he has a big job here in Howard that I'll be assisting him with this summer as well. So I have been Can you explain the difference between Salida and Howard? Yeah, they're about... 15 miles apart or so 12 or 13 probably yeah yeah they're just down the highway from each other um salida is kind of in the crotch of the sangre de cristo and the sawatch range of mountains and howard is um along the sangre de cristo mountains so it's a little further away from the two mountain range joining area but it's on the Arkansas River, just like Salida. So, so I'll explain it a little differently. Is is Salida like a city, and Howard is like a town, Ye- or Salida is uh, like a town, and Howard's like less than a town, a zip code? <laughs> yeah, kind of. So let's talk about it like this: the Arkansas River runs through the valley. Valley get real wide, you get Poncha Springs and Salida. Valley get real narrow, you only get highway and railroad. Valley get a tiny bit wider, you get Swissvale. They have like 10 houses. Valley get narrow again, you only get railroad and highway. Valley get wide again, you get a bunch of houses. And that's Howard. Yeah. There's like 900. I think there's 5,000 people in Salida roughly. There's 900 people in Howard on the most recent census. I thought it was more like 1,200. That sign was made, the, the population of Howard had went down from oh. the time that sign was, there's a sign in town that says 1,201 nice people and a few old sourheads. Yeah. And the population's actually gone down since then. The The most recent census pegs it at like 960 or something like that. I think um, we need to throw like a Howard rave or something and see if we can double the population. <laughs> Please no. I don't want that to happen here. Yeah, I, I'm good. That's um, called a fit bark. We won't get into that. But. Yeah. All right. So my weekend, I... Well, you well, can't really I, talk about your weekend without talking about my weekend. Well, I'll just give you my part of it. So I've been doing manual labor, um, turkey hunting a little bit. It's really slowed down. I've got a little bit of intel from the local wildlife officer that there's one area where there may still be some turkeys that are gobbling and cutting up. So I'm going to try that tomorrow, which is Friday. And... Then over the weekend, I went to the Turkey Rock Moto Trials area, also in Howard, and I did video and just generally provided assistance and moral support to Matt while he was competing in his first Moto Trials event. And that's kind of it for me. Yep. That's probably a pretty good segue for me to go, huh? Yeah. All right. So I did my first Moto Trials event, and the way that it works is pretty not simple, but simple. There are, how do I put this? Where do I start? You will ride a loop. So is it, I'm going to interrupt you, even though you've been talking for three seconds. Uh, When I've watched like the pro, pro, pro level, like indoor stuff, they've got like each section's five points or something like that, right? And then you, is it similar? I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay. So you ride a loop and along the loop, you'll have a section. And 
depending on your category, you will do either two or three loops. And depending upon the category, you will ride one of two loops. So novice, amateur, and intermediate, they all ride the same loop, and those loops will have eight sections on the loop. And novice will ride two, amateur and intermediate will ride three loops. Advanced, expert, and pro rides a different loop with 10 sections. And the best way to think of it is inside of a section, if you can imagine like a mountain bike obstacle and there's like an A line and a B line. Inside of the section, there will be like an A line, a B line, and a C line. And depending upon, you know, what category you're racing, you know, the easiest line will be dedicated to novice. And the slightly harder line will be dedicated to amateur. And then intermediate will have the hardest line within that section. And then because, of course, what a novice can ride and what would be challenging to a pro are wildly different, there's a harder loop set and there's splits within those sections for advanced, expert, and pro. And each section, I think it's worth mentioning, takes maybe 30 seconds to ride. Each section should be designed in a way to be completed in 45 seconds or less. That's really the, the, the kind of rule. Okay. You can score a total of five points in a section. However, you can score one, two, three, or five points. It's a little confusing, but you five. You can't score a four. You can't score a four. You can score a five, and you can fail. You've outright failed. You rode out of bounds. You dropped your motorcycle. You put both feet on the ground on one side of the motorcycle. Well, you both sides, right? Do they nope. call that a fiasco okay. or something, or is that a different sport? <laughs> nope, different sport. Now, if you touch the ground with your foot three times, that is three points. If you touch your foot on the ground 29 times but never fall over or go out of bounds, that's three points. So... If you put your foot on the ground three times, just keep putting your feet on the ground. You could literally stand over your motorcycle and walk out of the section taking baby steps, and you only score three points. So the goal is low points. You you want to ride and get as few points as possible. I had been riding with some people a couple of times in March, maybe once last month, um, and they very candidly said, you should ride intermediate. I think that you could ride advanced, but you may not have fun. It may just be a very long and tiring and taxing day. You'll probably have more fun riding intermediate. By the way, if you get a score uh, of five, it's called a fiasco. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I never heard that during the weekend. So well, you get the you um, get the little the more you know shooting star going over your head right now. Got it. <laughs> also, if you if you go backwards, meaning like you go onto something and you come back off backwards, like you don't make it all the way up and you come backwards, that's a five. The There were two days. There was a Saturday and a Sunday. And one family set the Saturday course, and their goal was to set a low points, meaning you know fairly achievable and very fun event. And on Saturday, I won. So I did, I rode intermediate. There were 24 sections total. And over the course of the day, I scored four points. So that was pretty good. So the big takeaway is low score is good. 
Low score is good. I think second place on Saturday had nine or 13 points. I can look at the picture. I took a picture of the scoreboard. Okay. A different family set the Sunday event, and they said, and I quote, I'm going to get some points out of you today. So um, I wrote intermediate again, and I scored 24 points. It was second place had 11 points. Got it. But I still won. So I won on Saturday, and I won on Sunday. And on Sunday, I know that the next person had 53 points. So was there anybody else on an electric bike? No. Man. All right. Well, electric bikes are the best. We can end the show there. Um, (laughs) And in case you want to know, did I get jokes about where's my spark arrester? Yes, I did. I got that joke all day, and God damn, it was just so hilarious. And and uh, we need to put a card in your spokes. So, yeah. So like, what they you don't get to pre ride the course, and you don't get to pre ride anything. But when you approach it on your first loop, everyone walks it, kind of stands around, scratches their head, tries to figure things out, et cetera, et cetera. Then on your second and third loop, you can probably go through a lot quicker. But on my first, like, and when someone starts, they go, rider, and kind of like yell that someone's coming. And on the first day, multiple times I had to scream at people that I was like coming. Like, you move. There's someone coming. Move. So that was a little bit annoying. And yes, the joke about where's my spark arrestor, someone was pretty aggressive about it. You have to have a spark arrestor. And I was like, yeah, I don't have a spark plug. I don't know, man. Figure it out. If sparks come out of this, we got a lot bigger problems. Like, in all seriousness, does it have a horn? No. Well, we, we should just add a, a horn. Like, for real. Add a little horn and just, you know, beep, beep, and beep at people. It'd be great. I mean, it also makes a shit ton of electric whirring noises, so if people weren't just fucking idiots, they would hear me coming. Does that or if thing... they were listening for the course marshal to say, rider. Yeah. So that thing doesn't have the tick over or tick up or whatever they call it, right? No, it doesn't do the, like, kind of, like, whining... Uh, so that's only fan that's only the clutch model right yeah okay that makes sense so yeah um it was super fun I'm, I, it was really hard uh i'm super tired i do want to say on the second day matt got in his head a little bit i mean he was very tired from the day before but this is my perspective because the course was so much harder and he was getting points on most of the sections in the first loop. He was just like, I'm just blowing it today. I'm, I suck. I'm terrible. I'm not having a good time. All this. And then I kind of hung out around the scoring area after the first lap. And I watched the a few of the people he was competing with bring in their scorecards. And he literally had done half of what most people were doing. And I had told him, I'm going to meet you at this part of the course. Well, I went and like chased him down and found him and was like, dude, get your head. I didn't say get your head out of your ass because I didn't think that would help. But I very nicely told him to get his head out of his ass because he was kicking everyone else's ass. So yeah, he, uh, he got, he got even better after that till he started to get tired. Like just honestly tired. Yeah. Like there was a time that I like took two points I like cleaned a section on the first loop cleaned it on the second loop and on the third loop I took two points on it I was just fully it was super easy um, but I was just blown out so yeah Uh, but it was a lot of fun and uh, I got a little metal like a little lapel pin thing Um, (laughs) I still haven't seen you wear that I think you need to wear that when you're at work I don't have any meetings coming up that I can synergize in well you need to send a picture of you wearing the pin 
And I'm also excited about riding motorcycles with you and, you know, holding hands and riding over rocks together and stuff. <laughs> holding hands. I, I'm, I think what we're going to have to do is hear me out, Kenny. Um, okay. uh, right hand on the throttle, right? You're facing north. I'm facing south. So we can both hold left hands and then we ride in circles in tandem, like holding hands. Oh, my God. I think it's great. I love it. So this is my plan since this is now the e-moto show, the just e-motoing along show, is I need to get in touch with one of the e-moto manufacturers and be like, look, Kenny has these e-motos. Matt has this one. I'm feeling very left out here. Wouldn't you like to promote your motorcycle on our show and send me one so I can use it to, I don't know, scout for hunting? And they're going to laugh at you and pour. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, well, when I come yeah. out there, I have a guest Sauron that you will ride and enjoy. So just make oh. sure that you have uh, a full face helmet and boots. That's really all you need. I Wait, those. so the Talaria is now your main bitch? No, no. I, I say guests are on because people don't know what a Talaria is. Oh, got it. Yeah, so that was my weekend. And then Monday I laid on the couch and hung out with Andrea a little bit. Like I went down to one of the houses that where she was doing gardening and like talked with her sitting on my motorcycle and then I rode home. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, that was my week and... And I didn't do anything since then. I've been really busy. I'm going to drive to Memphis tomorrow after work. So I've just been kind of getting ready for that. Shipped a bunch of stuff today. Kenny's got shit in the mail. Oh, and we got new stickers. Yeah, we did. We got some holographic stickers, and you can go to our Instagram. Holy Jesus. We didn't give Kenny any. Christ. <laughs> you know, I almost asked if you wanted me to jam some into the box, but I figured that uh, I, if you I just wanted for, that. I just forgot. I was doing that before work this morning in a caffeine deficiency. We'll get you some in the mail, Kenny. I'll put, just put them in an envelope. That's fine. And, like uh, You don't have to make like a separate shipment. I'm sure something no, else will come I'll, my way at some point. I'll pull my dick out on your stickers and uh, then mail them to you. Awesome. Uh, was your dick out on a boat this weekend? It was. So my weekend was freaking lit uh let's see it was like after work everyone's scrounging to get together so this is on friday and we've got a friend who is awesome who has a really nice house in saint george and also has multiple boats and likes to ride motorcycles and mountain bikes and stuff and they invited us to go down to saint george so we Agreed. So me and a coworker and two past coworkers and a whole bunch of other people and other people I ride Surons and Talarias with. So a giant group of people all went down. It was probably 10 people. So it was fun. We just loaded up all kinds of stuff. So the Ridgeline was loaded up with stuff and people and we brought other trailers down and we were like moving. We were moving side by sides around and multiple motorcycles that got like sold up here in uh in salt lake city but were getting delivered because there's a, a friend of ours works at a big motorsports company so anyway it was a whole crazy huge thing but it all worked out like super well pretty smooth got down there hung out everybody was just uh yeah everyone's pretty easy going and what did we do we did boat stuff the first day so pontoon boat pontoon boats are cool they're not like as sexy as what, like what lake were you on? Oh, God, shit. Yeah, I knew you would ask that. It's one in St. <laughs> George. Uh, okay. Shit. Let me hold on. I'm going to click a clock on some is maps it a, here. 
It's a really Sand tiny Hollow? one. No, so Sand Hollow is really popular, and we were really close to Sand Hollow. Sand Hollow is busy as fuck. Uh, we went to one a little bit north. It's actually off of I-15, but you can't actually see it from I-15. It's called Quail Creek State Park. If anybody is ever in the area, that place is freaking awesome. I'll try to get some pictures. It is maybe like probably up there with Lake Powell where it's just crazy awesome terrain all around you. Neat little place. Not very big. Like you're not going to do a whole lot of like skiing and stuff there if you're into that kind of stuff. Like you can, but it's definitely not the place to do that. It's probably like, I don't know. I'm bad at distance on water. It's like maybe a quarter a quarter of a mile kind of in each direction, maybe like a half mile, something in that ballpark. It's not huge. Anyway, took the old pontoon boat out there with a couple of jet skis and yeah, just hung out, brought a grill, uh, grilled, grilled food and rode jet skis and drank a bunch of beer and it was great. So pretty awesome, easy first day. And oh, you know what? We did stop early that day we packed up the boat at like 2 p.m probably so we're out on the water for like four or six hours and got on what do you do when you're out on the water well you sit on the boat and you listen to music and you talk to each other and you drink a bunch of beer and then you drive the boat around and find a good spot to like park it and then we got the jet skis out and then like rip jet skis around and park park the jet skis and then you know ate snacks and then we grilled burgers and drank more beer and you just kind of chill and talk. It sounds like you could do that with just the jet skis and a nice place along the bank without the extra boat involved. So the thing about jet skis is there's no home base. The thing about the boat is there's a home base. And also like one of the couples has like a young kid. So the pontoon boat's nice because it's easy. You can like sit down and it's like flat. A jet ski is really tiny and you can't store anything on it. And they're fun. But they're also only fun for a minute. Like they're pretty violent. Um, like I only, yes. I only ride them wide open throttle. Like I don't know how else you would ride them. And you want to like do donuts <laughs> and wheelies and and jet ski stuff. <laughs> they're not good for chilling. Uh, yeah. So packed up the boat and we went on a moto ride and we explored some semi new stuff in the Warner Valley area. Uh, so we went to the water tower and then we went to the right and rode that single track that I played around with last time I was out there, but we went like all the way down that trail this time. And holy shit, that is full rowdy. Matt, you would have an insanely good time and be able to clear a lot of the stuff that we couldn't clear. Uh, eh. It was freaking rowdy. So to the point where some of the descents are getting like kind of scary. And I say descents, it's only like a small section. If you were to like crash and crumple yourself up, you'd probably only fall like 10 feet, but it'd be a really bad time. <laughs> And it would hurt the entire time down. It would. You'd probably get hit by your motorcycle once or twice on the way down as well. It's just getting pretty steep, like to the point where I'm almost endoing the motorcycle in multiple places. So oh, fuck. it's just getting, it's getting scary. It's pro- probably due for wadding the thing up pretty bad. Luckily, the speeds are like kind of low, which is good. But anyway, super techie, super fun, like bunch of alternate lines. And it's just fun with a smaller group of people because you can, you know, one person tries and then another person tries. And then you have to get like two people to like scoot someone's motorcycle down a drop off and all that kind of stuff. So it was just a lot, a lot of Water fun. Buck, send it, buttercup. Yeah. Super, super cool trail. I don't know if it has an official name or not, but you can see it from the satellite. If uh, you're bored, just go to... The Warner Valley area, it's like Warner Valley Road. Find those little water tower things. They're pretty obvious on the satellite. And then go south on that single track that basically hugs directly next to the cliff. And it goes all the way into freaking Arizona. It's got to be, I don't know. I mean, we couldn't go all the way, 
we probably rode at least one hour in one direction. So we probably covered, I don't know, it felt like a long way. It felt like 10 miles in one way, but it was probably less than that because it's slow going and super techy. But that was insanely fun. Had a really good time. Uh, my buddy's new Ultra B was doing really good and he was riding really well on that thing. My bikes are riding awesome. Super happy. Uh, Could so that you w- ride a normal bicycle on that trail or push it in a lot of places? Uh, in you definitely could, but some of it's so steep. You would hike a bike a lot. There's not a ton of elevation overall. So I think from the start to where we turned around, for example, it might have only been a thousand feet of elevation, but it's really punchy. It's like up, down, up, down, up, down constantly. And it's to the point where like there'll be sections where you almost can't make it up on the motorcycle. So I think on a bicycle, you would 100% be hike a biking. You could maybe e-bike some of it, but some of the stuff is so big that on a bicycle from like a dig from a stop, I just don't know, even if you're, you could maybe Danny Macaskill up some of this stuff, but you would have no momentum. Like it's not possible. And it's so, this stuff is so steep. It'd be like going to probably a trials motorcycle area and be like, well, could you get to the top of that on a bicycle? And it's like, eh. I mean, maybe given a bunch of takes, maybe Danny Macaskill could like haul his ass up there somehow hopping around, but you would never ride it. So it's a lot like that, but really cool. There were some like fast and flowy sections, just a really, really cool trail. I couldn't imagine like just the skill level riding that on a full-size moto would be just crazy. I know people obviously do it, but probably not a whole lot of people because it was it was very rowdy. It was very, it seems double black diamondy even in like the moto world, but that was super fun. And then what did we do? Uh, we made meat rice as a group. So a lot of people experienced meat rice for the first time. <laughs> I need to hear about this. That's a big shock to a lot of people. I mean, yeah. you just cook meat and you put it in rice, correct? Oh, no. I mean, well, kind of. But I mean, we ha- I have my version of meat rice. I don't know if I want to make the recipe fully public. But generally speaking, it's like tri-tip steak that you cube up real small. And then you cook it just on a stovetop uh, in a huge marinade of uh, kind of a spicy allegro situation. And yeah, you get that cooking up on low heat. And you make some white rice. And then you make Velveeta shells and cheese, and then you make tater tots. Oh my god! And then you put all um, four of those. You put all four of those things together, and it sounds crazy. It sounds super bachelor showy because I would it just is. Leave the rice out of that. No, like, no, just no. The tater tots and the mac and no. cheese. And the here's meat. the thing: no, you can't do that. I'm though. so hard right now. It's it, you guys don't. You don't understand. You, bet. <laughs> you, you don't no, no, understand no, no. how good it is. I what I'm envisioning is. You have the mac and cheese, which is the optimal amount of like not sauce to sauce. And then you have the tater tots, which you want to stay crispy. And then you have the rice, which helps take up some of the liquid from the meat. 100% correct. Very important. The rice is (laughs) integral to this piece. I have a feeling the rice just sort of disappears, but also turns as a main staple but it's there doing god's work as like a sauce holding calorie packing machine yeah i'm impressed matt like your your knowledge of meat rice is off the charts <laughs> for having supposedly Look, not ever eaten it here's the thing when You've i heard about a lot of meat rice adjacent dishes when i heard about it i was like this sounds like some shit i'm into and then you described it and i'm like hmm how do those four things work together and like i don't know i just get it so this has been curated over years and years so me and a previous roommate especially perfected this craft over thousands of different recipes. And this is the one we landed on. And it's yeah, it's just amazing. Some people can't handle it, 
um, and you tend to eat too much of it. I don't know. It makes no me. Way. It makes me feel freaking strong and. <laughs> I can just imagine after a long day of doing hard shit, you just sit down with a single bowl of calories and you just keep going back and putting a little more in there and a little more in there. And it's kind of like drinking beer out of a keg. You don't realize how much you've had until you're like, oh, that was maybe too much. Yep. I know. I imagine Kenny sitting down with that and eating it, and then something like He Man happens, where there's <laughs> explosions and he yells, and and suddenly all of a sudden his clothes like it's down just to a loincloth. I was gonna say he's in a full face and a loincloth. <laughs> I was gonna say bikini, but loincloth is more fitting. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's all is. super accurate. <laughs> so yeah, that was the that was the day. So like that day right there was crazy. It was. Uh, you know, making good breakfast and then boating and beers and burgers and then moto and then meat rice. So in the amount of shit packed into that 24 hours was definitely intense. And that was a really good time. And then in the morning, we went out for another moto ride. A lot of people uh, had to go do other things. So we were going to have a bigger moto ride planned. Like nurse their hangovers? I mean, I drank the perfect amount because I'm older and I know how much I can drink. Uh, but I think some folks are a little younger, but no one's like, nobody's college age here. So I think everybody can handle, everybody knows how to handle themselves these days, which is pretty cool. I think some people were just feeling sick for various reasons. I think the meat rice actually hurt a a few people and they had to call it, which is a bummer. And then other people had to like run errands and like do family stuff. And there was like shuffling of motos around. So I was hoping our second day would be a bigger group of people, but it was just me and one other person who survived all the stuff. And we rode Tokerville Twister. So you should look that up on the map. And that, that trail. Tokerville Falls? Uh, maybe somewhere over there. I think it runs up close to it. But it's off of Highway. And I get them so confused. Highway 6? Highway 9. Must be Highway 9. Hold on. It I doesn't am, matter. The only I'm reason why around. we know some of the names is because we watch the Matt's Off-Road Recovery YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is definitely kind of his neck of the woods for sure. Uh, but it is Highway 9. So off of Highway 9, you've got Highway 9, you've got Highway 59. And in between those two, those are kind of Highway 9 is north, Highway 59 is south. They both run east-west. Uh, highway 9 is what you would drive to get into Zion. And then Highway 59 is what you drive to go to the polygamous city uh, <laughs> called Colorado City. That's such a weird place, man. Oh, it's so freaking weird. But anyway, we're off of Highway 9, and we went a little bit north off of Highway 9, and you basically park right there, and it's right by Hurricane Mesa Airport, which is the Flying Monkey test site thing, which is the very unique airport that sits on the top of a mesa that's like uh, all closed down and private, and then you've got Tokerville Twister is at the base of that, and the Flying Monkey Trail is really close to that as well, that ultra-famous, super gnarly trail that all the uh, Red Bull Rampage folks pre-ride when they go out there. So we rode Tokerville Twister on the motos and that trail is freaking legit. The first few miles are like kind of washes and nothing like really that crazy, but probably three miles in or so it starts getting like techie and more like just everything gets bigger and it gets more single tracky. There's like huge mandatory drops and techie climbs and all kinds of just crazy stuff. To the point where I was getting a little concerned that we were going down stuff. And it's it was an out and back the way that we're riding it. And we're on electric moto, so we can't just do like a 100-mile giant loop. So I was definitely getting worried that we would actually not be able to like make it back around again. But we did it. There was like one section that was pretty tough going backwards. 
but we were able to clear it. But that thing, that trail is so cool. I wish I got more pictures on it. It's just epic and beautiful and there's no one out there. Very cool trail. But again, also I would say on average, it's kind of like blue, black on average, but there's definitely a couple of crux sections in there that are very difficult. And yeah, that was pretty much the weekend. It was awesome. The ridgeline did great. It's all freaking motoed out. I got a uh, portable refrigerator. Those are really neat. Everybody should get one of those. Thing works great. Just slap it full of drinks and run it off a power station. And it just runs for days in the car. It's pretty cool. Sick. Yeah. I don't think I left anything major out. But yeah, super fun. And the moral of that story is just a good, really good time. The friend group is super super solid everybody it's just nice when everybody kind of has their shit together you know everyone is adult enough that they can all do their own things and like nobody's there's no no drama everyone's just everybody's good everybody understands how the world works and how you know being in a house with multiple people and doing food and all that kind of stuff should work so it was just good all right so you coming out here in june i don't know uh i can probably I can definitely take a long weekend at some point. I could probably pull you make like it July, so you could do some uh, Monarch Crest, like an out and back on the Monarch Crest. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure we can we can figure something out. But I could probably do like a a Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday type thing. Yeah, mm. it's a kind of a long drive, but yeah, you know, I mean, if, if all right, I figure one whole day for driving each direction, so that's two days down. Yeah, and then that's two full days to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you should definitely do that in July. Um, so there could be some Monarch Crest. Hmm. Sweet. I was thinking about like just Rainbow Trail rat- rowdy. Yeah, I mean Rainbow. Well, so that's the thing is Rainbow. Well, it's on moto, so it wouldn't be that bad. I was gonna say in June the Rainbow Trail is unbearably hot for bike riding. But if you're on moto, why would it, July be any better? Because in July you can go up to twelve thousand feet where it's not hot. Hmm. But the Rainbow Trail is so much fun. <laughs> Well, it's just as hot in July. On if you wanted to do Rainbow Trail, it's just as hot in July as it is in June. So, the advantage for coming out in July is you could ride the Rainbow Trail some, and you could ride High Country. Yeah. Well, let's figure it out. This yeah. isn't an on-air discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Are we gonna do questions, or are we gonna talk about new shit we hate? Which I want to we- talk about new shit we hate because there's some stuff that I don't hate. Can I talk about these three bikes? Yeah, go. In order just- of Least exciting to most exciting. Okay, go. Uh, the Moots Wom- Womble, they're now releasing it with single speed slider dropouts with a UDH option. And I mean, it's a tie hardtail. It's a nice bike. I think it's kind of weird they put such a long fork on it, but whatever. Is that named That's after what... the Womble Trail? I think so, yeah. Uh, my question is, how did... So with a sliding dropout... And Matt and I both dealt with this with our own hardtails. At some point in the forward travel of the sliding dropout, your rear derailleur does not work very well. So how are they, and I think anyone who makes a bike with a sliding dropout, um, how how are they going to tell people you should put your derailleur here? Because I'm assuming, you know, at some point, like, I don't know, it seems like if you're doing a UDH bike that SRAM has some say in... SRAM's not going to have a say in it. It's just when you go to put your bike in the SRAM app, they're not going to have information about it, and you're going to have to enter the the chainstay length and calculate. Yeah, you can, so you can manually yeah, well, do this, that. This wouldn't be this wouldn't be a, a transmission bike because you so put. Question is when you say sliding well, dropout, well, pausing. Why wouldn't it be a transmission bike? Because there's not a hole that that dropout. Or sorry, I'm looking at the wrong thing. 
Let me look. Oh, did they not have a picture of it? With the any trailer? any UDH bike should be transmission compatible. Yeah, that slider is the single speed slider, and the UDH slider has a bolt on uh, hanger. Oh, that's that's what it was. So, okay. question. I mean, most of the modern stuff I see, for lots of reasons, they have little uh, carriers that the whole thing slides. So that means you don't have to adjust your brakes. You don't have to move your derailleur because yeah, yeah. the distance from your derailleur to your axle and your brake to your axle maintain they're the same. So why? Right. Or is that not but how when this you, one works? No, but it is. But when you adjust the sliding dropout, you're going to change the B-tension, but you can't change the B-tension on transmission. Oh, okay. I thought we were worried about the distance of the derailleur to the cassette, and that's going to stay the same, but your chainstay length is going to decrease and increase. Which effectively changes the chain length, which changes the B-tension. That is accurate, yeah. But also, I mean, technically, as your chain wears, it's also going to affect the B-tension, technically speaking. Yeah, but not by... 30 millimeters yeah, or sure. whatever vertical. But why are you, if you've got a derailleur on your bike, why are you dicking around with your sliders? Why don't you just set it where you Andrew's want it? Andrew's talking it about how if you have a bike with sliding dropouts, you will find that your derailleur, even when properly tuned, works better in one chainstay length than another. There's a difference between like functional and approved chainstay length and like what works the best. A longer chainstay is always going to work better on stuff up to a point of course is that what you're getting at right yeah yeah that's that's kind of what i was what i was thinking is um when you put the udh in here like does it are they going to tell people yeah if you want your shit to work with i mean really any derailleur they should do this but if you want your shit to work with transmission you have to put your sliding dropout into this position that's and that i think that would go for any bikes that are coming out now with um you know with any sliding dropouts with the UDH option. Can I tell you one of the most annoying things I've ever seen? And it's in this geometry chart. That chainstay length is given in inches where everything else is given in millimeters. It's not. not ev- it's a blend of yeah, so metric. Your seat tube is in inches. Head tube is in centimeters. Your bottom ba- bracket drop is centimeters. Your chainstay is in inches. Your fork is in millimeters. And your standover is in inches. If your frame costs $5,000... And your stack and reach are in millimeters. If your frame costs $5,000, you can build two geometry charts, one that's in millimeters, and or one that's in imperial, and one that's in... Yeah, metric. I mean, Niner's been doing that for forever. That's one company Yeah, and their bikes suck. You can at least build a second PDF. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm being kind of rude. Their bikes don't suck. They're just no longer relevant in the market because they haven't made any quantifiable or appreciable updates over the last five years to any of their models well also i think legitimately i don't think anyone actually works at that company anymore like not trying to be funny for real i don't know i mean it's owned it's owned by united wheels slash huffy i really don't think because i've tried to call them i don't think anyone works there anymore who does maybe the person maybe the one person that works there listens to this show and they're going to send us a nasty email no, I want to send it. a nasty email at all. They'd be like, hey, there's only one person that works here. It's me. <laughs> all right. So I'd say that is the least interesting of the three bikes that are new this week. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's a tie hard tail. It's going to be someone's favorite bike and they'll own it for the rest of their lives. And everyone else is just going to scroll right past it. Uh, next most interesting, I'd say, is the Pinarello. Wait, that thing is more interesting than the Moots to you? Yeah. The Pinarello, look, I, I have like this dream of owning a cross-country full suspension mountain bike. So yes, anything cross-country full suspension, I'm reading a little bit closer than I am about a 
titanium so hardtail I have, where the frame cost $5,000. <laughs> I have a question about the Pinarello. Okay. It, well, I guess it's exactly what I would think a Pinarello would be. I feel like they they added design features to make it look different, but not function any different. Yeah, they have that. Like, what's with the extra little weird baskety thing down there at the bottom bracket? Like, why the fuck have that? What does it do? Why have extra? Uh, why have extra cool. weird triangles and things? It looks neat. But I don't like, know. I think they they probably did it for stiffness and whatnot. You know, all those marketing terms. I guess I don't know. I just kinda, I roll my eyes a little bit. I'm sure it's a fine bike, they, they but say, it's weird so to they, me when you engineer something. Like if you could make it simpler and lighter, but you don't. I don't understand that. So they say in this article, the unique bottom bracket area on the Dogma XC optimizes stiffness and accommodates an oversized bearing and main pivot point for the rear triangle. I don't know. I'm there. You go. I'm smelling. That's why they did that. I'm smelling a I'm little bit. I'm gonna say. I'm smelling a little bit of form before function. So if you go to... Well, hold on. Hold on. No, if you go to Bike Rumor and you go to the second picture down in this article, the picture of the mechanic looking at Tom Pidcock looks like Tom Pidcock just asked him if he could piss on his bottom bracket before the race. I don't know. That's like, just look at the look at the face the dude's making. I'm assuming that's his mechanic. I don't know. Maybe it's like a team manager or something. He's got like a bougie fleece jacket on so maybe it's not a mechanic no that's just what europeans look like (laughs) but are you what do you think he's thinking we need to if this wasn't a picture that was on another website i think i would steal it and put it on jerry instagram and ask for uh ask for caption this i mean i would i would say that looks like maybe tom pidcock is asking him why is there this weird fucking triangular hole down here (laughs) Yeah, he could have done that. Too. Or like, why is the top tube not just straight? Or like, I don't know. Maybe he's asking like, why did you make this so atrocious looking? Like, I don't know. Um, I don't think it I looks bad. I, mean, it, I would, I would it, give you a dollar if you didn't scroll past the photos at ADHD pace. I was trying to find a picture of the entire bike. So one other thing is, why in the world is the upper shock eyelet holder thingy a separate aluminum piece? That then bolts to the carbon. Like, surely that can't end well. I don't know, man. All right. I don't know. I mean, they lost know. me at one bottle on a modern XC bike. That's what I, and that's what I was going to say. Is also, what the fuck wheels are that. those? I don't, I don't know. know. It also has continental tires and sun tour suspension. So, you know, it rides awesome. <laughs> oh, it's got I'm a, it's got that's... a, it's had a moist stem. You see that? <laughs> Can we just move on? All right. Uh, and I think the most interesting is Cervelo's take on the Santa Cruz Blur. Um, the Blur Velo? Yeah, the Blur Velo. I, I think that looks like a cool bike, and I'd ride the shit out of one. It's got two bottles. It can go 120 in the front or 100. No, it does both travels both places. Oh, does it do 120 in the rear? I thought the rear was like 80 I and 100. I thought it did 120 in the rear. I could be totally wrong because I just scrolled through it quickly while Kenny was talking about boats and shit. But yeah, I think that looks like a cool bike. It looks like, you know, short travel fun. Someone in the comments was like, this looks just like my 2017 Rocky Mountain Element. And it actually kind of does. Yeah, except it doesn't have any flip chips. Yeah, um, yeah flip chips. Are- you know, the Rocky doesn't have the pregnant b- down tube. The pregnant could- down tube. Yeah, where the down tube is like a belly that sticks out in front of the crank set. Okay. I don't know. What do you think, Kenny? Uh, I'll I'll give you my hottest take. Cervelo can't name a mountain bike for shit. Yeah, the ZFS-5. 
I am looking at it now. We're a Cervelo dealer, so I'll probably get one of these at some point. I don't, I don't even know. Did I buy one of these? I don't. I don't know anymore. Let's see. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. What geo is it closest to? Blur. Hmm. Yeah, there's nothing. There doesn't seem to be anything super unique about it. I mean, people are butthurt because it's internal brake hose routing, but whatever. Uh, every... Or headset routing, I mean. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, (laughs) every bike on the planet now is internally routed for brakes. Uh, You know, Spot isn't. Uh, They do a little channel through the, um, along the down tube, and the the hose just kind of nestles in there very covertly but yeah i don't know haven't ridden one so maybe it's maybe it's fine looks like you can fit two bottles i guess that's cool mm-hmm. yeah yeah i like that yep all right what else is new we had those three bikes that's that's all i got what do you guys have anything i, I don't have any product stuff i want to talk about those bikes but that's it uh, one of our patrons put up of course i've lost it now in patron slack oh yeah this is from Jake. New shit I 1 million percent hate. And it's, Jake, that's not how statistics work. <laughs> uh, it is the Neutron Components kit to, that lets you do like a lever bleed on your brake as a, like an emergency kit. And it's like, man, just, just exactly what Jake said. Bleed your brakes when you're supposed to bleed your brakes. And you don't need that. Yeah. You just don't. It's a little bit. It's a little bit like carrying sealant with you. Now, this is very different. If you're doing some monster, unsupported, super long thing, yeah, of course. But carrying sealant in your bag is like a cross country slash marathon type thing. The scenarios in which you could actually use that effectively are so little that it's like, why carry it? If you have fresh sealant in your tires and you have some cut that blows all your sealant out, then adding sealant into that is not going to solve the problem much in the same way that could you run into a situation where on the trail you like lose a bunch of fluid out of your brake uh yeah i guess so but if that happened there's probably bigger underlying problems and just adding more fluid is probably not going to solve your problem you probably have a hose that's been removed for example uh what are you going to do about that yeah your shit's like if broken. all the sauce comes out like putting the sauce in is the last step in fixing that problem and you probably don't have whatever you need to fix the other things before yeah you're gonna need like a new hose and barb and olive and you don't carry that on the trail brake master cylinder or like a caliper (laughs) so i mean again it's cool that someone's thinking about that stuff but that's just not something that you would ever encounter in the real world so just carrying that with you is a waste of money space and weight but you know what that company will sell some of those for people to carry around in their pack and never use or to use once in five thousand rides and it not work cool yeah uh do we want to answer this favorite cheese question i was gonna do you want to do this one or uh or not uh, i don't really think that one's interesting all right favorite cheese you two go because I have feelings. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with regular cheddar for the it's like railing an old favorite. It's it's just versatile, it's dependable, it's affordable, it's like working class, like workhorse cheese. Kenny? I'm gonna say hmm, I'm probably gonna say Colby Jack, but the amount of Parmesan I eat is probably more than anyone in North America. Do you shred it or do you get the powder, like the sawdust? No, I just, I just get the sawdust, like pre-done stuff. The, who makes the 
Who's the most popular one? Is it Kraft? I, I shouldn't know that, right? Yeah. yeah. It's green, right? It's yeah, the it's green. green. Whatever the green one is that Costco sells that is uh, probably 14 inches tall and weighs six pounds. How I go through of that- one of those a month. <laughs> is that in meat rice? No, that's just his pasta. I eat a lot of pasta. Okay. Well, there's pasta in meat rice, so like... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Parmesan sounds like it would be really good on meat rice. It probably could be perfectly fine, yeah. But I just eat a lot of pasta. And he's like, shit, now I'm going to go through two bottles of that in a month. Your turn. Go. I I, I have a hard time picking one because... Would it be brie? See, I love brie cheese, but you know, I don't know if it would be the best on everything. There's not a one cheese that just rules all uses of cheese. And that's where I, I run into a problem where I just can't make up my mind. I'm going to phrase the question. That's why it's a hard question. I'm going to phrase it differently. If you had an unlimited supply of cheese for personal use, you couldn't sell it. It's not like you got a thousand pounds and it would go bad. But like anytime you like opened your fridge, there was always like 12 ounces of fill in the blank in this one spot in your fridge. What would you want it to be? Oh, like a really good sheep's or goat milk feta. See... And that's why I went with cheddar because, like, you can make mac and cheese with cheddar. You can like make a cheese pizza with cheddar. Like, I mean, I think I think a really good feta can fulfill those roles pretty well. All right, Kenny, would you be Parmesan? Never-ending supply of Parmesan. It's tough, right? Because I think you make a pretty good point. If it's the only one you could have for all foods, I would still probably no, go no, with no. The, like I'm the sa- only one that you have an unlimited supply. An unlimited and free supply of. So, like, you could still buy Parmesan. You could still buy pepper jack. You could buy brie or you know, like a apple goat cheese or whatever if you wanted. Yeah, I would probably go with the with the Colby then because I use that on a lot of stuff. Yeah, burgers, right. burgers, pizzas, baked potatoes, all that stuff. Uh, do we want to do this one or a different one? We have we have even more. No, let's keep moving. All right, let's do. I think we've actually answered. I think Jeff might have posed this question before, but I think maybe he has a few more details about it now. I've been thinking about my next road bike, and two questions are on my mind. I'm in my 50s, and my riding position has become shorter and taller as my body has become less limber than when I was racing in my 20s and 30s. My PT has put the thought in my head that perhaps a road bike with a taller stack might be something to consider in the next three to five years. I don't change bikes often. My road bike is still my Ritchie Logic from 1994. Based on what... So there's two questions here. Based on what... All of you have seen in shops, what brands of carbon fiber road bikes would you A, recommend, B, not recommend, and two, if getting a well-made titanium frame, likely custom, is an option, should I skip carbon fiber frames altogether and go for a tie frame, which is likely to have better long-term durability? Man, I'm going to I'm gonna quickly take a stab at this. I think most people should be on an endurance fit bike, like a... Not a lot of people need a true racy road bike. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Like 75 to 90% of people, without a doubt. And, I mean, you're saying that your current bike is going to be 30 years old when you replace it. I don't think you want a Diverge. There's nothing wrong with or a Roubaix. There's nothing wrong with a Roubaix. It's just not a 30-year bike. It's got a head shock. At some point, you won't be able to get parts for that, et cetera, et cetera. The Domane has a bunch of weird-ass parts in it that at some point you won't be able to get. I'm going to stick to my guns and say that custom bikes are terrible. I don't think you know what you need, and I think you're going to be sold what someone thinks you need. Um, I, I think if you wanted a custom or a tie bike, I would get something off the shelf like a uh, Linsky or something similar in tie 
and that's going to come in an endurance fit for sure because those bikes are made for not to be rude but like tie bikes are old people bikes and i think that would be a great bike yeah yeah i mean you and he does go on to say in this discussion he says i need to go ride some bikes as a longtime roadie and mountain bike rider too the part of me that still thinks i'm 25 years old doesn't want to get an endurance bike i've been looking for road bike demo events from specialized trek and giant yeah i mean it's it's not you're riding a 1994 richie logic i mean the most friendly endurance carbon bike out there will be better at doing everything that you do on that Richie than that Richie ever has done. Yeah, it's going to be faster, stiffer, and more comfortable. It's also, here's the other thing. Endurance bikes are going to hold big tires. No one needs to run 25s anymore. And if you get a big endurance like all-road bike, it should clear 30s, 32s, no problem. Yeah, and Clayton, the asshole Van Eckeren which is his name on Slack, says you can always get something like an Amanda and have a higher spacer stack. And that's not a bad option. An Amanda is a very simple, nice carbon road bike. You know, it's not, it doesn't have the head shock stuff like the Damane. And the, I know, don't at me, I know it's not a head shock. Uh, the Diverge and the Damane. Future shock. Yeah, just, it's just a real simple thing. But man, like all of the endurance, bike, like, if I was going to start road racing tomorrow, chances are I would get an endurance fit bike because I'm not as old as you, but my body has probably seen as much abuse as yours has and shit just doesn't work that well anymore sometimes. So, you know, I have to be realistic about what shape my body can fit into and I'll be faster because of it. So, you know, you can get the fattest, tired, most upright endurance fit bike that's out there and if you're more comfortable on it because of that then you're gonna you're gonna go faster you know you could still you could enter a master's road race and do absolutely fine and if you didn't do well it's not going to be because of that bike but yeah i go i i I say same as what matt said though um custom geometry unless you just have really really weird proportions most of the time custom geometry is just not not really necessary. Yeah, I think you'd have to be way off the spectrum in one direction, like legitimately six foot eight, or really odd proportions where you really cannot fit on anything. I think just a an endurance fit bike is the way to go. Something like a Caledonia might be a good option. That's a real simple, there's no extra bullshit on that bike. It's just a carbon endurance fit road bike and i know a bunch of people that have those that are super happy with them same thing i think the amanda is probably in the right ballpark I, what's I the wonder... caledonia it's cervello's oh. athos it's okay. like an athos and a domane had a baby oh yeah cervello's are nice and they're they're good old guy bikes <laughs> i'm just i'm just teasing yeah i think that's a really good one but just i'm gonna also echo if you're gonna keep this bike for at least five or 10 years, which it sounds like you might probably avoid getting one with frills on it. If you're going to own a Roubaix or a Diverge or a Damani and you're going to get rid of it in three years or two years, great. You're not going to have to deal with supporting it. And there's going to be something newer and fancier and cushier or whatever down the road. But owning one of those long-term, yeah, I'm going to echo what Matt and Andrea say. I think that's a bad idea. Parts available, uh, built, blah, cannot talk. 
parts availability is going to be really weird. Stuff's going to develop like play and wear out and it's just going to, that's what's going to happen. You know, as good as a specialized is, that stuff is going to wear out and it's eventually going to be unsupported. So I, I think getting a traditional, just all carbon bike is the way to go. I'm also not a huge fan of the custom stuff, but I kind of already touched on that. Unless you're super crazy on proportions. I don't know. I just don't Ooh. really think it's the way. I don't think it's the way to go. Modern carbon stuff rides so good and it's going to be cheaper. So, and from the durability standpoint, like I just don't really buy that either. What are you going to do to a carbon bike that's going to fatigue it? Unless you actually crash it or this or that. But if you do that with the tie bike, you're still going to have to get it repaired if you dent it in. I have one case for tie or for custom. Okay. If you're like, I really like this bike and I just want one made in metal and someone can replicate your existing bike's geo, that's different. But if you don't know what you need, it's yeah. tough. Yeah. And and you have to remember that most, you know, if you're looking at any bike, but if you're looking at endurance fit bikes and you say, I want, you know, I want higher handlebars, then you have a lot of adjustability within that endurance fit. You can do... You know, usually on road bikes, it's going to be 25 or 30 millimeters of headset cap and spacer under the stem. Uh, you can get different angles of stem to go up or down. You know, you have some play there. So if you do go out and demo bikes and you're like, oh, these bars are a little too high. Well, it's most likely on the demo truck, they've got the bars up as high as they can go. And you can do a lot to lower the bars or whatever, you know, so that... If you go and demo bikes, just know that there is a lot of adjustability there. I'm singing a Kanye song right now. Don't We don't bring up Kanye on this, this show. Any All other right, questions? Well, uh, you know, we've got a couple of web form questions, but we can kick those down the road till next week. We've gone over an hour now. Cool. All right. All right. Well, see you all next week, virtually, through your ear holes. Are you going to... Uh, sure. You're headed to Memphis, so you're going to take a microphone? Yeah, we'll see. All right. Cool. Well... Thank you all for listening and keep an eye out on the Just Riding Along show website for holographic stickers. They'll be posted before the show is. Yeah. Right. They'll be there. I'll put them up this weekend. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you all for listening and good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along show. There's some shit coming out of your pants. <laughs>